to the Let's Call It Nothing podcast, where we discuss all things fangirl. I'm Caitlin. I'm Peyton. And I'm Reva. And this season, we are on season two, we have been discussing the Wolves of Mercy Falls series by Maggie Stiefvater, aka for us, the Shiver series. For the past five episodes, we talked about the first book, Shiver, and... Peyton, what happened there? Okay, so the book starts out with Grace is a 10-year-old, and she gets attacked by wolves. Certain wolves saves her, named Sam, and they have an obsession with each other. Uh, What really starts the book off is Jack dies. Who's Jack? Jack is... Jerkwad. Jerkwad. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Jerkwad. He's a rich, spoiled kid. No really association with Grace at all? Like... (laughs) Very little. Other she, than they're in the same class in school. That's yeah, about but, it. But she does, she's not a fan. Wouldn't go to his funeral, I don't imagine. But the big deal about Jack dying is that it's all over the news that this kid died because of these wolves. Yes. And Grace is obsessed with these wolves. Uh-huh. His dad, who is a avid hunter, and he's very high up in the community. He's a lawyer in the small town. He goes on a mad hunt for these wolves to avenge his son's death. Yes, and it's like a group of men. And uh, Jack dad shoots Sam in the neck. Presumably. I think it's it's him. Okay. Like he says it's him. He lays out on Grace's porch and Grace finds him, takes him in, nurtures him back to health, which isn't hard because he's a werewolf. Because he's, you know, bleeding out. Yeah. Um, takes him to the hospital and he heals really fast. So she... They had been watching each other, like him as a wolf and her as a human for years. Like seven so years. they had already like established this connection and now wolf has become boy. Girl still obsessed with wolf and now boy. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's a love story there. Yes. Um. So he winds up human, and this was supposed to be his last year to be human. So they're trying to extend that. They fall in love. Come to find out, Jack is a werewolf now, like Sam, and he's always doing shit he's not supposed to. He he doesn't know how to handle this life. He doesn't really want all this. Obviously, as a human, he was a piece. Of so now it's just amplified, I guess. Yeah. Kind of like how in Twilight, the vampires are amplified. In this case, Jack's assholery is amplified. Yeah. The uh, quote from Shiver is, angry wolves, or angry humans don't make good wolves. Yeah. Isabel, Jack's sister, Mm -hmm. who is Caitlin's persona, like, loves her. Uh, Isabel is asking a bunch of questions. She doesn't know what's going on, Mm -hmm. but she wants to. She has a, she suspects something's going on with Jack. She, like, quickly finds out that he is alive and that Mm -hmm. this thing is happening, and she's thrown into this world as well, and she befriends Grace in the process. Mm -hmm. Not at first, because Grace is hard as friends. Yeah. It's a really weird dynamic, I gotta say. Grace's parents suck, Uh if you don't remember that from... We talked about in every former episode yes. of this season. And it will come back up this season, or this... Uh, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, it's just amplified. Grace's friend Olivia gets manipulated by Jack, and he turns Olivia. Sam turns into a wolf, which, remember, this was his last year, they thought. Mm-hmm. So, um, there's a lot of angst and sadness with that. Isabel and Grace come up with a cure, which Quite is... Unquote. Cure. <laughs> yeah. So they decided to try out this cure, which is infecting them with meningitis. And so... Lovely. Um, 
in order to try to turn Sam human again back, who's it's also his last year, uh, sacrifices his humanity mm-hmm. to become a wolf and lure Sam back. So Isabel and Grace inject Sam and Jack with the meningitis. They had some for Olivia, but she decided not to take it. When they're injected with this, Jack dies mm-hmm. in front of them, yeah. like so. Like, not slowly, but also they are human when this injection is happening because they thought that would be the best idea. Yeah, they're human when it happened, but Sam had turned back into a wolf and he runs off. The cold did bother him. Yes. The cold bothered him anyway. (laughs) A couple days later, maybe, maybe shorter, Jack dies Mm -hmm. because he's been infected with his meningitis. And then Grace assumes Sam's dead because he was turned back into a wolf. He had the same cure that Jack had. Mm-hmm. And also, he turned back into a wolf. And if the cure is supposed to kill the wolf, mm-hmm. she's like, oh, sh- boyfriend's dead. Yeah. And so she's really depressed by that. It takes them a while. And we finish the book off with realizing. The most amazing moments. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, so, like, finally you can catch your breath yeah. kind of moment. If you listen to the last episode, you know what that moment is. Yeah. And that is. Sam has been cured. Maybe. Cured. He is human now. Uh The wolfiness is gone in the meantime. Mm -hmm. They can live happily ever after, but oh wait, there are two more books that we are going through Mm -hmm. in this story. Also, I don't know if Peyton mentioned this about Grace. Grace was attacked by wolves as a kid. Yes, I mentioned that. But she had never turned. Yes. And it's supposed to be, you get attacked, you get bitten, you turn. That's what happened to Sam. That's what happened to Jack. That's what happened to Olivia. That's what happened to all these other people that we have met. Mm-hmm. But it never happened to Grace. Yes. And that's kind of where, like, the idea of the cure came from because she got, like, really hot, had a fever. There's this whole situation happening. Mm-hmm. And they believe that the fever can, like, kind of switch it off. Switch it off because the cold is what changes them from what they know. But that's kind of where Linger is picking back up on yes. is a little bit after that story. I don't even know what time of the year. It's like two months it's in March when this. Yeah, but, you know, everything's happening happy-go-lucky and I'm gonna spit out a few facts about Linger real quick. So this book was published in 2010 so right after Shiver was published and also if you remember the height of the Twilight craze. Linger continues with a multiple person point of view. So in Shiver we had just Sam and Grace first person um, inside their heads back and forth with each chapter. But this time we have them as well as Isabel and then a new character that we will talk about, Cole. One of the many loves of my life. <laughs> he might end up on my book boyfriend list. We'll have to see oh, how he, he holds is. up. He um, definitely is on your book boyfriend list. Don't lie. Yeah, for real. <laughs> Some things to note about the formatting is, like I said, there are multiple point of views. And I will get my feelings about that in a minute. Um, but also with Shiver, we had the temperatures written within the titles, chapter mm-hmm. titles. We don't have that in Linger because temperature really isn't a thing that they are concerned about right now. Yeah. Not only is it oncoming springtime, but also Sam isn't shifting anymore. So it's yeah. not really worrying. It's not impending. Like, yeah, yeah. When you're reading Shiver, if you're like me, you paid attention to the temperature because you were like, okay, is Sam going to be safe today? Mm -hmm. If you're like Caitlin, you don't care. And then you look back and you're like, oh, okay. So I don't know what y'all's opinion is on the shifting point of views. Mine, it's hard because I love seeing from different characters' point of views. (laughs) I was trying to think of another word. (laughs) Perspectives. 
<laughs> the amount that Maggie Stiefvater shifts from headspace to headspace in this book, as someone who just like typically reads like dialogue and then I'll skim over a, bu- a bunch of the other stuff and I don't read whose point of view I'm reading and I have to go back, it is so damn confusing. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and with this one, it's not just in Shiver, like if it was the, ch- if the, we had a chapter and it was from either Sam or Grace's point of view, it was the whole chapter that was from their point of yes. view. Yes. Mm-hmm. These were switching perspectives within a chapter. They would have a scene with two characters. Um, Usually it was like Sam and Grace or Sam and Cole. Mm -hmm. And it would start out with Sam, go to Cole for a page, go to Sam, go to Cole. Yes. And she has a QA and a where she answered about this. So I'm going to read what she said on that Q&A. So she was asked about the narration alternating between uh, Sam and Grace and then Isabel and Cole. What are her challenges and joys of doing so? And she said, oh, it was insane. The hard bit was keeping everyone's voices straight and consistent, of course. They had to sound distinct while still sounding like they belonged in the same book. Each had a distinct vocabulary. Sam, for instance, says amongst. The others can't say amongst. Isabel has her own particular brand of swear words. Cole has his own way of describing the world. Grace sees action in a particular way. The challenge was picking which character narrated each scene. Who saw what I needed the reader to see. They're all so different. Of course, that was a joy as well. Hard to get bored that way. Yeah. The hard I, to get bored part. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. And it's... I liked it because you got to see how many different, like, mm-hmm. perspectives was of, a, yeah. of one scene. It's just confusing. Yeah. Which, whatever. I can get over that that i'm not sure i'm trying to juggle like would i rather you know some stories where they like here's what happened from this point person's point of view we're gonna see the whole moment take place okay now we're gonna see it from another person's point of view freaking midnight sun yeah like <laughs> we get a whole freaking book for that one i mean and, and it gets monotonous at some point and i hate groundhog day and y'all i hate it mm-hmm. i'm not a fan of that as much as i like how this was mm-hmm. i mean it is confusing at some points but but it makes a lot of sense yeah. with the story they're telling. Yeah, and as like an established writer like myself, um, <laughs> I have grown to love multiple person point of views. I don't tend to write it with first person because switching from head to head mm-hmm. is so much harder. So I tend to do the first person limited. I don't remember which is which. I don't know. There's an omniscient and then there's limited. Omniscient is where it's... You kind of still know everything. You, yeah. yeah. But yeah. that's not... Limited. That's yeah. what I do. Omniscient's like you're telling it in third person, yeah. but you're like, this person feels this way about this situation. Yeah. And even with that, I don't switch back and forth typically. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I'm definitely not a professional anyway. And there's usually like if it's more than two characters, um, these two characters always have chapters together. These two characters always have chapters mm-hmm. together, and they go back and forth because they're usually involved in scenes with each other. Yeah. So it's like up to this point, it's this person's point of view. Then it shifts because the mood shifts or whatever. I want to see what this person's going through. The books I really think like omniscient with they're like Stephen King is a big one that does omniscient writing where it's all like okay, this person is thinking this and then this person's thinking this and I mean I've read other books like that but I feel like Stephen King more he he does that consistently mm-hmm. I like first person limited but I like point of views yeah I love seeing from different people's point yeah. of views like okay. love it it's just as someone who's like undiagnosed ADD enough mm-hmm. where I don't always pay attention to like you know the bold where that should draw in my eye that's like yeah. this is whose person point of view you're looking at right now mm-hmm. I just jump right in and I'm like wait who's 
had am I in? <laughs> Where am I? Um, and it really I, changes a moment if you it really don't does. know. I feel like also if you're into the book enough that even if you don't pay attention to that, you might can actually figure out who it is just based on yeah. Um, I mean, there's the been, thought process. There's been times I've been a little lost and I just read a few page, like a few sentences, and I'm like, okay, I'm in this person's. Head. I have to look back every time <laughs> because I mean, like. Cole, I'm going to go ahead and spoil it for you guys, is our chaotic neutral. Yes. And then, Sam, you'll have some lyrics or something poetic. Grace is like, this, this, and this happened. Or, you know, Isabel's just over everyone. Isabel is angry, <laughs> yes. so it's just like everything. If you sit, read something pissy, you're like, okay, we're, we're yeah, reading yeah. If I have a favorite perspective so far, it's hers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm insane, obviously. Uh, if you want to keep talking about perspectives, I will say y'all like Isabel, but Cole at the beginning was not my thing. Yeah, yeah. I agree. But because he's such a chaotic neutral, once you understand him as a character, I love reading from his point of view. <laughs> I really loved him seeing other people, like the newer pe- Isabel yes. from his point of view and Sam and Grace from his point of view is super mm-hmm. interesting. His like point of view with Grace, I think is, I'm like, oh, she's not so bad. Like, because mm-hmm. I'm not like, the biggest fan of Grace as a character. I, I do like being in his head at the beginning. I was like, meh, but also he goes through such a character arc throughout this book. Mm-hmm. Like, he's one that I think went through the biggest change. Yeah. Which we'll definitely get into. And I will say with Sam and Grace, with the, with her adding the two other characters, it was needed. Yeah. Because... Oh, hell yeah. Sam and Grace was... Me and Kaylin have talked about once a couple gets together, it's like, eh. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how it is. And that's why I was like, meh. Yeah. I would put, flip through and be like, need an Isabella Cole chapter. Oh, I gotta get through four more. Let's do this thing. <laughs> not to say they didn't have things going on. They did, but Oh, definitely. Was, I was just like, it's not that I didn't care either. Yeah, it's just... That I love whenever the sparks are still flying. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it's this, like, it's a love story and it deals with um, a different part of the love story it than does. the beginning. But, like Peyton said, the two of us, Reba too, probably, we like the beginning. Yeah. You know? Which is why I love, like, haters to lovers because I want to see the progression mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. a relationship. Mm-hmm. Once I get settled, I'm like, okay, be domestic and everything, but I don't really want to read about it. No. I don't care about your fights now. Like, but I gotta say, you know, going through this book, sequels in general, which I don't want to get too far into it because I don't feel like we'll have time. Sequels in general, second books, second anything, are so hard to write and like Mm -hmm. and develop because your characters go through this whole journey in book one. It's got to hit the fan in book two so Mm -hmm. that you can have a book two. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times in trilogies, especially, especially, book two is always like a bridge. Yeah. It's so hard for series to have a good, solid book two that isn't just trying to get to book three. And I'll agree with you there, but I don't think Linger falls in that category at all. Because I have some opinions. Yeah. You have some opinions. I'll get to those probably later on. Yeah. But I think this book is good because... I said it earlier, but all three books have different conflicts in them. Yes. And so I don't get bored with the conflict at all. Like, there's always a problem they got to solve. And I mean, it's different each book. Yeah. And I will say going into the sequel as a romance series, don't expect there to be like complete miscommunication between the main couple. Don't expect for there to be like toxic behaviors or jealousy or anything that you are typically going to find. And why are you making that? face. Well, you said toxic behavior. I don't think you've... <laughs> I don't think you thought of... <laughs> 
it's not between Colt or Sam and oh, Grace. I Sam and Grace. <laughs> I was like, uh, hell no, not. <laughs> Colt was toxic. There's a reason I, I like the other one. <laughs> the toxicity. <laughs> I like it messy. No, I'm talking about Sam and Grace. Like, the main couple you meet in book one, you always expect there to be some sort of falling out in book mm-hmm. two. This doesn't really do it. No. Um, it happens. <laughs> Definitely. And they are pulled apart in a billion different ways, but mm-hmm. it's not typical. No, not at all. And our prologue here is from Grace's point of view, which makes sense. This is a story of a boy who used to be a wolf and a girl who was becoming one. Just a few months ago, it was Sam who was a mythical creature. His was the disease we couldn't cure. His was the goodbye that meant the most. He had a body that was a mystery, too strange and wonderful and terrifying to comprehend. But now it is spring. With the heat, the remaining wolves will soon be falling out of their wolf pelts and back into their human bodies. Sam stays Sam and Cole stays Cole. And it's only me who's not firmly in my own skin. Dun, dun, dun. So you know what's going to happen. It's yeah. fascinating because she tells you right off the bat. Yeah. Grace tells you right <laughs> at the back. Here's how it's going to go down. Like, mm-hmm. Is this written in first person in the book? Yeah, this is a direct quote. I mean, not first person. Sorry. Present tense. This is, yeah, this is the... That's um, interesting because like we said earlier mm-hmm. amongst ourselves, the rest of it's in past tense. Yeah. yeah. This is, yeah, this is all present. So this is, the prologue is in the now and you already know... It's going to go down. Yep. It's going down. Good. I just love how beautifully it's written. Oh, yes. It just, it's fascinating that she tells you right off the bat, this is all that's going to happen. Kind of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this that's is it. what you're about to get yourself yeah. into. Yeah. <laughs> Here's your warning. Prepare. I know you <laughs> cried last time. Um, we'll this, see what happens now. This is the only warning you get. So. <laughs> hey, chapter one is from Sam's point of view. The whole chapter, actually. It has been a few months since the last book left off. Sam has bought a car and is working at the bookstore again. While working, Isabel pops in to talk to Sam. She tells him about seeing wolves in her yard. She also asked if he's sleeping at his house, which he says yes to, and she points out that Grace is a way better liar than he is. She asked about a medical book at the bookstore, and then a cop shows up, our dear old friend, what was his name? Officer Cohing. Cohing. I was like, um, he shows up to ask Sam about some questions involving the disappearance of Olivia, who we know from the first book as Grace's friend who turned wolf and ran away. Sam wishes for Grace to be there for obvious reasons, he says in his brain, I guess. If lying were an Olympic sport, Grace would have been the champion of the world. For someone who hated creative writing, she certainly was an awesome storyteller. The cop seems to buy their story, even though Sam is a terrible liar. Chapter 2 is from Cole's perspective. Cole has shifted back to a human and hating it, spring had come too soon. We we get to see Cole. What were y'all's initial thoughts about this guy? I mean, we all had read this book before, but... I honestly did not remember anything from this book. <laughs> I was like, oh, we got a broody boy. Yeah. Sam's run for his money. Cole is Sam's foil character. Mm-hmm. For real. Initially, I don't know if I really liked Cole to yeah. begin with. Because especially if you're like in love with Sam, you're like this guy. He's yeah, the opposite. Exactly, <laughs> he's broody in all the wrong ways. Because 
Don't get me wrong. He is a chaotic neutral character. Yeah. But you don't see that initially. You just see some arrogant jerk. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of hard to deal with at first. Yeah. And um, you find out pretty early on that Cole wants to be a wolf. Yeah. He would rather be in his wolf form over anything else. And he gets definitely more involved with that later on. Mm -hmm. Um, And we'll give our trigger warnings when that time comes. But even him saying spring had come too soon, he's back in his human body. Mm Mm-hmm. At this moment in time, he's still a new wolf, so he's still shifting back and forth. And he's like, ugh, I gotta be cool again. I don't want to be cool. And that's him most of the book. He does not want to be cool at all. All right, so we have chapter three, which is actually from Isabel's point of view. So they're at school, and Isabel sits down um, in computer class looking at this medical diagnostics book that she has to see if she could find out any more information on meningitis. Grace sits down next to her, asking about it because in her eyes, you know, everything was already over. And then Grace mentions not feeling well to Isabel. The teacher then interrupts her conversation, and Grace asks if she could go to see the nurse at the nurse's office. And then Isabel keeps reading because in Mercy Falls, it's never over. Once again, Isabel knows it's going to hit the fan at some point. Mm -hmm. She's also been through a lot at this point. Her brother has died. Yeah. But Grace is like, Sam's back. Like, why are you worried about this? We're fine. Um, I have a minor headache. It's okay. I'll get over it. I think this is the first mention of Grace's headache as well. I think it's because in in Grace's eyes, the main thing has already been overcome. It was Sam staying a human and that was it. Yeah. That's all she cared about. That was her priority. Sam that, was her priority. It. Yeah, that's it. But Isabel's like, nah, this, there's too much going down yeah. in this small town for this to n- never be over. And Isabel lost her priority, which was Jack at the time. Mm-hmm. She was like, okay, I thought the meningitis was going to be the cure or whatever. She also probably wants to prove something yeah to herself and to others like oh she she knows she can figure out the cure she can do it she's like i'm not a dumb bitch (laughs) also isabel is a very science-minded character i can already tell that yes she's very like okay why didn't this work how can i get it to work what I mean, like, I feel like Isabel plans on being a doctor one day. Yeah. I mean, Sam did ask her, are you going to be a doctor? And she's like, maybe. Watch me. That would be her, like, F you to the town (laughs) as being this hotshot doctor. (laughs) That's her mom. Like, they were in California. Her mom Mm -hmm. was a doctor. And then they moved to this, in her eyes, hick town. Yeah. And now she's working at some little clinic. What kind of conversation would Isabel have with Carlisle? Like, she would ask him so many questions, medical questions. What kind of conversation would Isabel have with Edward? Oh, boy. <laughs> a Rosalie kind of conversation. <laughs> I was like, I think you're forgetting about Rosalie because they're about the same. They are very, yeah, similar. But in the, she would just tell Edward to I was about fuck to say, off. Rosalie's more emotional, but not the right word. But let's say it right she, now. She, I feel like she's a little more quick to react through with her emotions then Isabel's very calculated yeah, yeah. and Rosalie just kind of works on her emotions they both are going through and yeah. Shit oh yeah happened to them but they and they both react out of anger but I feel like Isabel is like she gets done. Whereas yeah. Rosalie just kind of huffs and puffs about stuff until it goes her way. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Up next is chapter four. This starts off with Grace's perspective. Back at home, Grace sits down to start writing down her New Year's resolutions, even though it's now early spring. Every year she writes down resolutions for herself in a little black book. 
Every new year, she crosses out her old resolutions off her list because she always completes them and then writes new ones. She's that bitch. Yeah. Hate her. (laughs) Same. (laughs) Last New Year's, however, she was too depressed because of Sam being a wolf at the time. Now that he's back for good, she decides it's a good time to do this. While she's writing, her dad calls in to check up on her, which mainly means he wants to see if Sam is there. And I gotta say, Grace's parents, they were okay with Sam for a hot minute. A quick minute. Quick minute. A quick minute. Not even a hot minute. Until hit the fan again and they were like Grace maybe you shouldn't see him and that's kind of where this continues Grace tells her dad that Sam is not there and while they're ending that conversation Sam walks into the house Uh, Sam ends up telling Grace about Isabel visiting the bookstore and also about the cop who came around asking questions about Olivia Sam then asks Grace about what she is doing right at that moment and she's like oh I'm writing down my resolutions and he's like cool um, I have a future now I guess I'll write my own. Never done this before. Yeah. This is cool. They end up discussing colleges and how Sam has no idea what he wants to do with his life because he never thought he would be human long enough to have a career. So Sam's perspective, the main thing that you need to get from it that is that Sam adds a bunch of things to his list of resolutions. The last being believe in my cure. Anything to say on that one? Like Sam has to I say no and then I'm in yeah too. You're starting to revolve away. You say yes. Say no. Uh, but Sam has to constantly remind himself, oh wait, I'm cured. Oh wait, I'm cured. Oh wait, I'm cured. Because it's hard for him to adjust to that, just staying consistently human. And he's like known this life of shifting into a wolf and kind of knowing that eventually that would just always be a wolf for like 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> and suddenly, oh, no, that's not how it is anymore. Like you think about stuff that you grew up with and suddenly change. You got to remind yourself like, oh, yeah. Chapter five is from Cole's perspective. Cole keeps shifting back and forth. If I know anything about PTSD, I would say that Cole shows symptoms of it and goes on a similar path that Kurt Vonnegut's character in Slaughterhouse-Five takes, which I don't probably, not a lot of you read that book, but (laughs) but in it, like, the character becomes unstuck in time because of his time in the war. And, like, he just goes back and forth. Your presence is not linear. Like, you don't go in chronological order. You go from now to back then to in the future to now like i mean like it's just kind of you're not firmly in your in the present so cole sort of takes that road which is why we see so many flashbacks yes he has a lot of flashbacks and he keeps reliving his past when he's wild yeah, when he is a human. Reminder, this kid is 18. Yeah. Right? 19, I think, but I'm not 19. Sure. He's a teenager, and he has had a wild journey up to this point. He really has. Uh, he reminds himself of a time his band was playing in a club, and a girl offered them some pills he had never seen before. He was generally unhappy with his life and the rising fame and shows he was playing. He and Victor took the pills before going on stage. Victor started playing and Cole missed his cue. He was overdosing on stage and fell to the ground. I was done being narcotica. 
I was done being Cole St. Clair. And let me just put this out there right here, right now. It took me till the end of the book to realize how to pronounce narcotica. I say narcotica. <laughs> That's how I said it. And then I was like, he's a f- drug addict. It's narcotica. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's just, like, how do you say that? That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I was saying it Narcotica, too. And then I was like, I was like, that's a weird name. Towards the end of the book, I was like, it's pronounced Narcotica. Honestly, I don't even remember how I was pronouncing it in my head now that you've said it out loud. I say weird while reading all the time. I mean, I do, too. But I love that it took me all the way to the end yeah. of Linger to be like, it's narcotica. It's not narcotica. I mean, I didn't know until you said it. I was like, that sounds like narcotics. <laughs> exactly. Which makes sense because, I mean, like, Cole and Victor are in the band and mm-hmm. they're both taking in drugs. Which I don't know how that was before they were famous, if they were taking, if they were Whatever. already in drugs. Now, with Cole's history of just the expectations put on him that we will get into later, mm-hmm. I say something was up. Clearly, there's some mental issues. Yeah, and when you have... Drugs do not help. (laughs) Who makes that clear? Drugs do not help anything. But a lot of people self-medicate with drugs. So, I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, he's living that band life. And this was whenever I was like, Cole, I'm not sure how I feel about you right now. Yeah. I still felt like he was a blank slate at this point. Like, he didn't feel like he was a character. Yeah. Like, he's just kind of there. You know, he's into drugs. That's this druggie who was in a band. Who's this Like, Like, there's a haze over him. Yeah. Which I think was almost intentional. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. Like, you're not supposed to see the real Cole yet until much later. Alright, so now we're on to chapter 6, which is from Grace's point of view. So, Isabel and Grace go into the woods behind Isabel's house to look for the wolves. Isabel admits to feeding the wolves behind her house when uh, Grace finds some bones on the ground. Isabel and Grace look around for a little bit until they find a dead wolf laying, just laying out there. Grace is worried it may be Beck, so she goes to further investigate the body, finding the eyes to be a different color than Beck's eyes, so it's not him. The wolf's body has some blood around its muzzle, and then Grace and Isabel notice the blood is coming out of the dead wolf's nose. They take pictures of it to show Sam later and discuss burying it after Isabel gets some coffee, which of course Isabel has to have. (laughs) (laughs) I added on. So, they look at this. Grace looks at this and she's like, oh, you know, wolves die of old age and everything. But she's like, wait a second. This... Hmm, this is curious. Yeah. Because at first they're like, maybe it was shot, and then they're like, maybe it was old, but it's not graying around the muzzle or anything. But then they see blood. And then they see blood, and they're like, what's going on? And it smells really awful, I'm sure. I know it does. Like, they they explain it to have, like, a sweet almond scent, too. Yeah. Yeah. Which I find strange. I also find it strange, because I don't feel like it should smell like that. I don't know, Peyton. You don't know either, which means we'll never get an answer because you read all this. I also find it strange that Isabel is just kind of like so chill, like, "Eh, whatever, it's a dead wolf. There's nothing really suspicious here. Isn't there a chemical that kind of smells like almonds? Yes. Uh, (laughs) I'm helpless here, okay? Sulfur is rotten eggs, which means almonds. Yeah, sulfur is definitely rotten eggs. Is it? It's not arsenic, is it? A resident chemist over here. Yeah, something. I smell like it. People poison things. Yeah, yeah. smells like almonds. Is it not arsenic? I think it might. I be. think it is. Double check me. It's something that you automatically read and go poison. Reba, you're supposed to be our chemist. Dude. I said arsenic, but I don't know for sure. 
I didn't think it was sulfur, and I was right. It's cyanide. Cyanide. Mm-hmm. But it says bitter. I am smart. But it's a bitter almond. Yeah, yeah it's bitter. It wasn't sweet. Interesting. Maggie just came up with something on the spot while writing one day. If she hears this, she's like, <laughs> And then if she hears this, she'll be like, oh, that's a good one. I should- <laughs> cyanide. Mm, look at bitter almonds. What if they were? Type, type, type. Sweet. Sweet. <laughs> she looks up and goes, sweet. Chapter 7 starts off with Sam's perspective. So, same day, same time, Sam is waiting for the two girls at the diner. When Grace and Isabel get there, Sam notes how Grace stinks. She mm-hmm. got that smell. It reminds me of Jacob and Edward sniffing Bella and being like, <laughs> ew, why do you smell like that? <laughs> it is kind of like that, yeah. yeah. Isabel agrees that she smells like the dead wolf in the woods. Isabel's just like, yeah, she touched a dead wolf, Sam. Sorry. <laughs> but see, that's the thing. Like, even Isabel picks up on the scent. Yeah. Like, Isabel mm-hmm. smells the scent continuously, mm-hmm. which is interesting because she's human. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's picking up on it. I feel like Isabel's senses are just like hyper aware because mm-hmm. she's always on alert. Yes, that makes swear sense. her and I are different. <laughs> <laughs> so the girls asked Sam about the wolf and if he's ever seen anything like this before. So they took a picture of it and they're like showing him is what's happening. Sam tells them that he didn't know the wolf when it was a person and explains that he isn't sure what happens to older wolves, but they do eventually die. Um, I think they said like they have like 14 years or something. Yeah, 14, 15. The normal full lifespan of a wolf. Mm -hmm. So Grace states that it doesn't look like this wolf died from natural causes because of the blood coming from its nose. She she knows things evidently. I don't know how, but... But I mean like, because it wouldn't be natural causes because when something dies naturally, it's usually just, like if it's dying of old age, it's... I'm just, just there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you just lay down one day and you're, you don't get back up. There is no blood. There's no blood. So there's a sickness or something that yeah. has happened. Yeah. Brain aneurysm. Oh, that's a good one. Yes. Interesting. So <laughs> uh, the next thing that happens is Olivia's brother, John, comes into the diner. Grace, being the good gal she is, invites him over to sit with them. And Sam's like, you know, don't do that. Don't do that. He's like, I can't. Why? <laughs> And yeah, he's worried about it because he doesn't want to lie to anyone. But Grace is like, hey, remember, I'm a great liar. You'll be okay. Just don't say anything and don't look him in the eye. You know? Let me do all of the talking. Remember, let me do all the talking, Sam. As we said before, we know who wears the pants in this relationship. So Grace ends up asking John how he's doing, and he tells her about receiving an email from Olivia saying that she will be home soon. Both Sam and Isabel, you know, they look at each other like, oh, they know what's going on. They're pretty quick. Uh, They quickly realize that Grace was involved with that email, but they don't say anything other than Isabel asking if John has showed this email to the police because Isabel's a sly cat who's like, so have you shown it to anyone? She glances over at Grace. I know you did it. She's like, dumb bitch. Because they can, you know, trace IP addresses, you know? She sent it from, was it Duluth? Yeah. 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 From a coffee shop. And she's like, I sent it from Duluth, like, Months ago. I know what I'm doing. And Isabel's like, clearly you don't. (laughs) John says that he hasn't showed it to the police, but he probably will eventually. And then he leaves 
the coffee shop. Isabel immediately scolds Grace for stupidly sending this email, which gave Olivia's family hope and is continuing to keep this case open. Obviously, pro- um, Professor Police Officer Cohen showed up and was asking questions like, everyone's still alert about it. Grace ends up defending herself by saying that she figured it would be better that everyone thought that Olivia, Olivia. Sorry. Everyone thought Olivia was a runaway and not kidnapped or murdered. Grace then suggests telling John the truth, you know, about Olivia being the wolf. And Sam and Isabel tell her that that would be a terrible idea because Sam and Isabel are so much. And I forgot to talk about this earlier and I wanted to talk about Sam and Isabel's weird ass dynamic. (laughs) I kind of like it because right now they agree on pretty much everything and I'm also agreeing. So yeah, there was because Grace is dumbass bitch damn it in the first chapter he says something like he tells uh, officer Cohen grace yeah that's my girlfriend and he's like i made sure i said it so that isabel would hear it yeah i'm like do you think isabel has the hots for you does she in a way (laughs) is she into sam like that was me throughout some of this but a lot of people were bringing up the fact that isabel had a crush on sam yes so i wonder if there's some truth to that or it's just the fact that isabel's combative especially with sam (laughs) i feel like initially while reading this i was like she's grown this weird attachment to grace has become a friend but to sam as well mm-hmm. isabel thinks that sam is her friend sam yes. is like no isabel is not my friend <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no it's not like that like it's not a two-way street i don't even want to be her friend like i'm just here because of grace like, I don't think he really likes her. He just tolerates her because he's a good guy. But Isabel's like, you're my friend, even though I cuss <laughs> you out all the time. And I think you're stupid 95% yeah. of the time. I feel like it comes to like a big sister dynamic. Yeah. Or a sisterly dynamic. Yeah, I feel like they would be the best of friends. Like, mm-hmm. if they were like, very much like, yeah, we're definitely friends. Like, mm-hmm. or like, I've known each other longer. They would be the best of yeah. friends. The thing with them is, I lost it. <laughs> Uh, Sam is not used to he's had bad experiences with women other than Grace yes and he's used to he's not used to people forcing their opinions on what he needs to be doing Isabel's telling him how he needs to run his life Mm -hmm. and Sam's not big on that so I think that's mainly what Sam's like no about. yeah yeah this whole part i was just like grace you dumbass bitch <laughs> why <laughs> i was like grace would do this <laughs> like she's trying to be helpful and she's doing it in a way that logically makes sense we're like she's not doing it from the comfort of her own home she's mm-hmm. still smart about it but still like and she has a reasoning she's like so that they would think she's run away and that not anything bad has happened and she can come back home yeah 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 like she's thinking about it and everything but then sam and isabel having you know their own mindset are just like no that's not Why? how this works no you don't need to do that because like, she's gonna have to don't run get involved because she's gonna have to run away again mm-hmm. if that happens and then let's bring up the fact that Grace wants to tell John the truth. Mm-hmm. And neither one of them are happy about that because they know it's it could backfire really yeah. quickly. It, it would backfire really quickly. Especially with Ugh. John, who's not someone we know that well. And definitely not someone that Sam and uh, Isabel know that well. So they don't know how he's going to react. And he's already been through this pain of like losing his sister, like her disappearing. Mm-hmm. Who knows? 
but Grace is like, but we told Isabel. And Sam's like, yeah, but Isabel had already figured it out by the time we told her. Like, Isabel's a lot smarter than John, okay? Grace? No. <laughs> Grace, you're not the only smart person in your school. Uh, she's not an idiot and does it anyway. Like, yeah. <laughs> thank God, Grace. There you go. Thank you. But it's kind of like a need-to-know basis. Like, you don't just tell everybody even yeah, yeah. you want to. Like, Grace, I know you feel bad, but that's not going to help anyone or anything. No. We're not going to do that today. All right. Chapter 8 is from Sam's point of view. Sam goes home to find another person in the house. The intruder, though all are welcome. Which I hate <laughs> added that point. <laughs> The doors are unlocked. Okay. <laughs> Milk is in the fridge. The intruder is naked and dirty on the kitchen floor, reeking of a wolf. Something about the new wolf's arrogant demeanor and his familiar face is off-putting to Sam. While the newcomer shifts back into a wolf, Sam notices old track marks on the new guy's arm. Who could this be? I mean, we didn't totally give it away. I'll give you one guess. <laughs> Oh, guess. I thought you were going to give me a hint. Victor! It's Victor! You're right! No, it's not. Victor! I think the arrogant attitude kind of gave it away. We, like, barely have heard from this guy. It's Cole. <laughs> we have barely heard from this guy yet. And we already am like, oh, he's he's a jerkwad. <laughs> In the best way. <laughs> in the best. If you haven't, if you can't tell, Caitlin's in love with Cole. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Not yet. It's not like my love for Mike New neither. I feel like I'll be, <laughs> I'll be able to justify this one later. <laughs> Cole's hot. <laughs> End of story. Cole's hot. He's in a band. <laughs> He's super tragic. That's all you need and to know. So witty. And one of my favorite things happens later on. <laughs> you so. haven't even gotten to forever. Like, <laughs> there is some part of these notes. I was sitting there laughing because I was like, of course this would fucking happen. And it's never from Cole's point of view. It's from somebody else's point of view, but it's something Cole has done. It's <laughs> 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 just like, you gotta be kidding me right now. I, just, I always love that character who just waltzes in and you just, everyone falls in love with him. Yeah. Everyone in the story, <laughs> Sam. <laughs> We're like, he's a jerk, but he's also really funny. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, I love you, man. Oh, I am so ready for y'all to get to forever because, man, there is one part where I was just like, this is the epitome of Cole St. Clair yeah, right here. I'm gonna end up taking a KU break. Yeah, you know, I haven't read a lot of smut lately. It's just been romance putting them out there. But I'll get, <laughs> I'll get to it. Yeah, I had to read smut, but that'll be for an extra episode. Y'all will find out. Anyway, back to the story. <laughs> are we on mine? Yeah. Yes. So, all right, we're on chapter nine, which is uh, once again Isabel's point of view. So Isabel reluctantly goes home to her very bitter and happy parents. Which, yeah, her father asks her if she is hanging out with Louis Brisbane's daughter, which is. Of course, Grace. Um, when she asks him why he cares or something along those lines, he tells her that Grace likes the wolves too much and he suspects that Grace has been feeding them, though we see as readers that it's Isabel who's been doing this. Um, he threatens to kill all the wolves and Isabel considers not feeding them anymore th- so that her dad doesn't go full artillery warfare on them. <laughs> yeah. um, also, one of my favorite parts of this chapter was the beginning where Isabel was talking about how popular she was. And she was like, 
Back in San Diego, it actually meant something. <laughs> here it doesn't. Like, here, here it's too easy. <laughs> here you just think you're some hot <laughs> you are. <laughs> also, like, I mean, we don't see a lot of these characters at school, but who are her friends in that popular group? Like, I don't know. She says, like, my group or, like, my girls at one point. Like, she uses one term a couple of times. Mm-hmm. But we never get names. We never get any dialogue. I think it's, like, they're just there. I think it's, like, a mean girl situation where they all kind of hate each other. Uh, oh, I would, yeah. Yeah, I would, so, like, yeah. They're, they don't matter enough to her to even mention by no. name. Actually, I think she does mention them by name once, but it's to figure out, I want to hang out with somebody, but this person's busy and this person's busy. And, you know, I think it's the only time they're mentioned. Mm-hmm. Maybe. They're obviously not important. No. Of I course not. Know. Not in her eyes. The only thing that cares about is figuring out this one mystery. Yeah. And I don't think I even wrote down that part in my notes at all. Yeah. So. I don't remember that. Also, we all know a man like Tom Culpepper. Yeah. Where he's just gonna get that gun and just shoot up the moves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we live in an area where that's prevalent. That <laughs> we don't have wolves. But also, we have coyotes. We do have coyotes. Isabel's like, I saw a fox the other day. Oh, yeah, we got those too. But Isabel's like, maybe I should stop feeding them. Maybe. <laughs> I'm like, yes, it yeah. would, especially around your f- house. Yeah. <laughs> it's about. Like, if you can't do that, go out a little further. Chapter 10 starts off with Grace's point of view. So, back at Grace's house, Grace and Rachel. Hello, Rachel. Long time no see. For real. They are making some chicken parm. And chicken then Sam parm. walks in. After dodging Rachel and her obnoxious behavior. Yeah. She's oh. interesting. So, we discussed it in Shiver about Maggie's dialogue writing, and while I was writing the notes for this book, it made me realize, no, she specifically set out for this character to talk like this. Yeah, yeah, I realized that too. And it doesn't go... It doesn't go as well as some characters, like I'm thinking like Penelope Garcia off of Criminal Minds or, you know, other characters with these quirky little, you know, yeah. ways of saying things because it's just so... Well, also, we don't see Rachel enough to see another layer to her. Yeah. Apart from this. She's a plot device. Yeah, it's pretty so, much. Some of this is just like, why Why did you say that? She's that girl who is trying way too hard to be quirky. Yes. Which is relatable. Hell yeah. Especially at that age. Um, I think it's so funny. I was watching a video recently and they were talking about books and where the, there's always a character named Olivia and Olivia is always super quirky. And I was like, in this case, it's Rachel. Yeah. And I found that funny because like I get them switched up so much and I guess that's because <laughs> yeah. you want Olivia to be the quirky character. I think they're like um, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern for a little bit, you know? <laughs> Who? <laughs> who? <laughs> Shiver, I was like, who? Wait, which one? I fell in love. Which with one you. do we hate? I fell in love with you again. You mentioned that to me. <laughs> I, you you talked. I have made that reference three times in the past month. <laughs> I love it though. <laughs> and if you haven't watched the movie Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead, y'all need to go watch it. It's wild. <laughs> it's wild. It's uh, extens. I can't say that word. Existential. Existentialism. Existentialism. <laughs> Existentialism. Why do we exist? That's yeah. what it's about. Yeah, it's the why do we exist? Do we matter in the grand mm. scheme of things? Go watch it. I mean, like, you may think this is the craziest ass movie ever. Go watch it. It's great. That's the point. Tim Roth is in it's, it. It's that- where you have two background characters 
in the foreground. Yeah. You have Hamlet in the background. <laughs> and it's great. And like I said, Tim Roth is in it. And if you don't know who that is, he's in Pulp Fiction. And Quentin Tarantino picked him to be in Pulp Fiction because of this movie. So, back in the kitchen. The Grace's house. <laughs> After that combo. So, Sam dodges Rachel. I don't know who he hates more, Rachel or Isabel. Rachel. <laughs> he she never refers to him by name. It's always the boy. She also put at one point. picks fights with him. No. At, least at Isabel, one point, she makes him feel things. At least that's, Isabel is intelligent conversation for him. Yeah, Rachel's <laughs> true. I mean, Rachel is not. And at one point, she's talking about him and Grace having sex. And she refers to his private as his boyfriend. <laughs> I love that part. <laughs> <laughs> I just make sure like, <laughs> The boy and his boyfriend. like, what the <laughs> man? <laughs> Okay, quirky character. I will never get that out of my brain. <laughs> so Sam immediately starts helping them cook. Well, Grace cook because she's the only one doing anywhere. Because Rachel can't do. <laughs> she's a plot device. Yeah. <laughs> she can't cook. Grace ends up having a moment of panic when Sam gets too close to the window. It's a little chilly outside, but then she reminds from herself of his cure, changing her new mantra in her head. He won't change. He's cured. It's over. They continue to cook the chicken parm with Sam now helping out. And then Grace's mom walks into the kitchen. And this isn't like the first book where they're making the um, the quiche and just mm-hmm. singing Mariah Carey. This is a very different mood. We find out that although Amy, her name is Amy. Yes, confirmed. <laughs> it's it's confirmed. <laughs> confirmed. Although Amy liked Sam at first when she discovered he would be a permanent fixture in her daughter's life, that friendliness dissipated. After Grace's mom goes upstairs, Sam and Grace decide that it would be best for him to hide in his car now. To hide his car now. Oh. Well, he did hide in his <laughs> car. In it. <laughs> oh, he like moved his car and then okay. he just sat I outside mean, in the car. understand it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, why didn't he just stay in his car? Like, he was hoping. I clearly was not there for that. <laughs> and nosy Rachel asks what's going on and why Sam was saying that he will be back. Grace tries to level with her in this conversation and everything and how it's not a big deal, whatever. But when she touches Rachel's arm, she's like, oh, Rachel, you're really cold. But Rachel corrects her saying, no, Grace, you're hot. And yeah. Not in an attractive way. A temperature way. Yeah. <laughs> Rachel is shocked to find out that the boy has been staying there at night. She says, you've corrupted the boy. Because he's such a sweet, innocent thing, mm-hmm. evidently. Apparently. Rachel is, like, on Sam's side for a lot of this. Like, she loves Sam. And it's kind of weird that she loves Sam the way she does. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah, that's like Grace who Sam is her friend. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like Grace. Who? My best friend Sam, not Grace. The boy. No, it's no. not Sam. It's the boy. She writes in her diary. Today I talked to the boy. <laughs> He's so great. Grace is so lucky. I wish I could find a boy for myself. Until <laughs> then, for boy. Until then, until then, I'll deal with the boy I'll and deal with the boy and being the permanent third wheel fixture in their lives. Yep. I will show up at their doorstep every day. Every day. And I will talk about his boy fruits to Grace. I can't. I'm sorry. I can't get over that. (laughs) And then we have Sam's perspective. Sam is waiting outside in the cold while Grace and her mother finish eating dinner. Amy states that 
Grace and Sam may be going too fast in their whirlwind relationship. Meanwhile, Sam contemplates marrying Grace instead of putting up with this nonsense while he's out in the cold. Grace slurs her mom upstairs so that Sam can get to the house. In Sam's thoughts, I had all the evidence I needed that my cure is real, but I was waiting for the punchline, so he still doesn't believe it. No. He's waiting for something catastrophic to change it. <laughs> Which is... Welcome I to book two, Sam. Yep. And then Grace's point of view again. Let's switch back. When Grace goes back into her room, Sam is still shivering and saying that maybe he should stop sleeping over. Grace, of course, says that's unnecessary because she wants him there. As they snuggle up together, Sam points out that either he's really cold or Grace is really hot, once again in a temperature way. Grace quickly dismisses this claim as she asks Sam about the new bull, the curious cat that she is, and also she wants to distract everyone. Mm-hmm. Sam explains that this new wolf he met is completely insane and isn't afraid of him at all. Which is really weird, considering that Sam is still a higher member of the wolves, even as a human. Yeah, so because he's no longer shifting mm-hmm. into the wolf, he's actually like the alpha yeah. for the pack members when they become human. He's taken over Beck's role. Yeah, because if you remember, Paul is the alpha when they're wolves. And then Sam is the alpha, or Beck was the alpha when they were humans, humans, but now Beck's not there to be human, so Sam's taking over this He passed her along to his son, along with so many other things, and Cole's like, this kid? Yeah. Including the trauma. (laughs) So, like, if we were really gonna put things where they are, if they were actual wolves, Cole would probably be more like a lone wolf. Yes. Because he doesn't really fit into that mm-hmm. now, right now. But as it progresses, you kind of see him becoming more of like a beta. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. He really steps into that role. So <laughs> at this point, not a lot going on. We got a pretty slow start, which is really normal for these books. Yeah. Well, we got slow some, start, fast end. We got some sus moments here and there, some suspicious things. I wonder what's going on with Grace and that headache. Mm-hmm. And her temperature. And her, yeah, her weird temperature, um, what's up with this new wolf? What's, who's this cold What about guy? the dead wolf? wolf? That freaking dead wolf, what's that all about? Yeah. Sam, maybe you should stop sleeping over. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. <laughs> and, I predict something's going to happen there. And, Sam, get your own place. Maybe. <laughs> maybe the parents become more they really outdo themselves. They really do. Collapse for being a horrible, not just parent, but human being. Renee has lost in the world's worst mother She's award. Okay. I would take her any day. Any day. <laughs> all right. That's all I got for this. That's all I got for this one. Linger. Linger. Do you have to let it linger? Do you have to? Do you have to? Okay. That's all we got on this episode. We will continue next time. I don't even know what chapters we're reading through. I don't remember what happened. Um, I can tell you the chapter numbers. <laughs> well, tell me, Rita. 11 through 21. Oh, next time we will be reading through chapters 11 through 21. Mm-hmm. We will figure out more about what the hell is going on because... Things are a little sus, as Reba said it What's earlier. What's going mm-hmm. on? Hey. <laughs> it's just the karaoke episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> remember to follow us on Instagram at Let's Call It Nothing Pod, and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye. I hate you too. You know she's such a.
singer. Bird is Marion, Bird is Marion, Bird is Marion, Jeffrey Winger.